0: Through the written word and the spoken word, God help us to hear your living word, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My kingdom is not of this world, says our Lord. And Pilate asks, so you are a king. You say that I am. I came to bring the truth. And in the verse just following what we heard, Pilate asks, what is truth? This passage is full of wordplay and can feel like a sort of verbal whiplash. It reminds me of the response that children sometimes use to an insult. I know what you are, but what am I? We can consistently rely on Jesus's clever and crafty use of language. The truth is embedded in sometimes confusing phrasing. Jesus forces us to pay attention and undoubtedly put Pilate on his toes. To this creative wordplay, I add another phrase, kingdom of God. You may have heard me say kingdom rather than kingdom, and here's the sermon where I get to tell you why. Kindom, as in kin, K-I-N, or family, people of the same ancestors or relatives. This phrasing is thanks to Ada Maria Isasi Diaz, the mother of Muharista theology, or the theology of Latina women. Kindom is now a phrase that is spread throughout Muharista theology and liberation theology at large. Ada Maria Esasi Diaz uses the phrase kingdom in her writing and helps to explain the importance of phrasing and language in our largely patriarchal tradition. In her book, simply entitled Muharista Theology, Ada Maria Esasi Diaz notes: there are two reasons for not using the regular word employed by English Bibles, kingdom. First, it is obviously a sexist word that presumes that God is male. Second, the concept of kingdom in our world today is both hierarchical and elitist, as is the word reign. The word kingdom makes it clear that when the fullness of God becomes a day-to-day reality in the world at large, we will all be sisters and brothers, and I would add siblings kin to each other. We will indeed be the family of God. So here we are on the final Sunday after Pentecost, commonly referred to as Christ the King Sunday. And I want to offer you that while Jesus is, of course, king, he's also something much more. Our understanding of the word kingdom gives us a limited understanding of a king. In this way, a king is a leader, an authority, first and foremost, and sometimes is exclusively an authority. Throughout history, we can see kings with little concern for the people around them, unless it is for the sake of conquest. In fact, this is the case for many Christian kings— with an ultimate concern of spreading their reign and power. In fairness, a king's relationship to his kingdom should be one of care and protection. Kings are supposed to care for their subjects. And there are, of course, examples of kings who have done exactly that. And there are kings who have clouded our understanding. Rulers of kingdoms and of companies, of cities and of countries, have corrupted our view of leadership. This week I learned that Pope Pius XI responded to nationalism and the rise of fascism in Europe by instituting Christ the King Sunday. Starting in 1925, Christ the King Sunday was intended to be a reminder of the fact that Jesus is the true ruler of our hearts. The language of kin helps us to see how Jesus is different from earthly kings. He is the head of the church and our Lord, but in a way that is unfamiliar and otherworldly. Kingdom helps us to have a more honest and a fuller understanding of who Christ really is. Christ, our kin. Christ who came to dwell among us in flesh and blood. Christ who came to bear the truth. Christ whose only crown would be a crown of thorns. Christ who died so we all might become one body in him. Jesus states plainly that his kingdom is not of this world. The way Jesus responds to the empire and the way the empire responds to Jesus also makes this really clear. Jesus is not interested in an earthly kingdom. Jesus has been Lord of all since the beginning of creation. To rule over people in the way an earthly king does would be a demotion. And perhaps more importantly, it's a distraction. A st- distraction from the truth that Jesus brings into the world. A truth that asserts a God much more powerful than any earthly king. Kingdom reminds us of the otherworldliness of Jesus. In Christ, we are not seeking the ruler of a country or a military leader. We are seeking a Savior. In Christ, we seek and we find a Savior who dies for our sins, who lives and dies so that we can be connected to God in life everlasting. In Jesus, we find so much more than a king. We find kin— we find connection. We find family. We find a community so interwoven that we can be called one body, the body of Christ. I want to be clear that this is much more than semantics. This is not about dropping one letter and replacing it with a dash. Kingdom is truly a way of life. Kingdom. I think more so than kingdom, communicates what we really hope for as Christians. The concept of a Christian kingdom limits us and can even lead us astray. A kingdom model can lead to conquest, genocide, and forced conversion in the name of God. A kingdom model has no obligation to enact God's justice. And God's justice can be overshadowed by vigilante justice, where one man goes free while others lie dead. When we focused on kin, however, we are reminded that Jesus calls us to a life where we love God and love one another. Jesus calls us to a life in connection and in community, not a life of individualized salvation, belief, and judgment. We are called as a body of Christ, as sisters and brothers and siblings of Christ. Our Latinx siblings have offered a tremendous gift in their decolonized and liberative theology. It centers on connection and community, Asasi Diaz reminds us, the main obstacle to the unfolding of the kingdom is alienation from God and from each other. And further, she explains that our participation in the act of salvation is liberation. Liberation requires relationship and concern for our fellow human. It is a loosening of the chains of the earthly kingdom. Liberation is a step towards salvation. And of course, salvation is liberation in and of itself. Salvation is liberation from sin, from the evils of this world. Salvation is liberation from death itself. We can participate when we participate in salvation and thus in liberation. We must be in community. We become kin through salvation. Jesus offers through the salvation Jesus offers us. We become the best of what family can be, rather than a top-down structure of stratification. We become an interconnected system of mutual care and concern. We let go of the expectations and constraints of this world in order to truly love God and truly love one another. Family is complicated, to say the least. We know that, especially this time of year but it can be a powerful reminder of the way that love flows from God our Mother to God the Son all through the Holy Spirit. Family, at its best, is a unit of accountability, dedication, and responsibility. It is a place where the ultimate concern is for the liberation and flourishing of another person. Family is a stepping stone to the kingdom of God. And conversely, the kingdom of God is family in its most godly form. It is connection. The kingdom of God's sort of family is the removal of all alienation from God and all alienation from our fellow human. It's true. Jesus's kingdom is not of this world. It's bigger. It's grander. It's more glorious. It is a kingdom. God's rule over our lives makes us one. We are unified in the Spirit and called together as siblings. My prayer for us all today is that we may live into the reality of a kingdom that is already and not yet. That we may seek and become the kingdom. That we may search for salvation and liberation of our kin. And that we may find Christ our kin throughout the world. Amen.